everyone. I'm Mark Deal. Hey, everybody. This is Connor Tweedell. Welcome to the Asymmetric Healthcare Podcast. So today we're here talking about healthcare systems and how do we get these systems to talk to one another, you know, share information, make people's lives easier. And we're here with two of the software developers from Asymmetric. Hey there. I'm Brian Young. And I'm Andrew Marcus. Thanks for coming, guys. So I'd like to talk about something that I'm going through, a scenario that probably many people can identify with, and it kind of highlights why the things we're going to talk about today are really important. So I've reached a milestone age. Stop looking at me like that, Mark. (laughs) And it's pretty important that I go have a physical, and I've been putting that off. But it's not for the reasons that you think. I don't mind going to the doctor. In fact, I want to go get this over with. But we have moved recently. We switched doctors. So I know it's going to be a nightmare going to the doctor's office, filling out forms. It's all information that I know is in a database somewhere. I've filled this stuff out. I know I've seen it on a computer screen. It's in there. They have it, man. That's the reason I'm putting off this important physical, not because I don't want to get poked and prodded, but because I don't want to fill out paperwork that I've already done. This is the type of thing that I know you guys have been working on. How do we share this information? How do we protect it, but get it to the people who need it and make my life easier, right? Yeah, Connor, that's exactly right. So we're going to help you by setting all your records on fire. That doesn't sound good. You're going to have to explain that. What is fire? So FHIR stands for Fast Healthcare Interoperable Resources. The I part is the, is the part that's going to solve Connor's problem, the, yes. the interoperability part. Right now, all of your data is in different healthcare systems. It's at your doctor, it's at other hospital places that you've been to. Fire is really simply put as a way to make sure that the systems in one place talk to the systems in another place, that you can get your data, put it together, and then bring it from provider to provider. I think that for probably many people, their medical records are potentially the most sensitive piece of information that they have. Mm -hmm. Past financial, past any other thing about them. If the world knew this, it would be embarrassing or damaging. I assume that makes this problem really difficult. Can you talk about what FHIR does to overcome that? Now, FHIR has been out for a couple of years as a standard for things to talk to each other, but it hasn't been as secure as other things. So the U.S. government has an interest in helping move the ball forward for things being more secure. The ONC, which is the Office of the National Coordinator for Healthcare, they're under Health and Human Services, runs competitions from time to time to try to incentivize companies like ours to make systems work better together. They wanted to make a fire server that was more secure than the state of the art. Fire servers have been around for a few years, but they've been designed by people who weren't specifically developers and weren't up on the latest techniques like Asymmetric is, you know, uh, scalability, security, DevOps. So how did Asymmetric get involved with FHIR? So we saw that the federal government, ONC, Office of National Coordinator, had a national competition, and it was about building a more secure FHIR server. Like, hey, we do security. We want to know more about this FHIR thing. Let's get involved. And so we decided, you know, this is right up our alley. This is something where we think we can build something quickly, we can do it in a secure way, and it matches our goal of making healthcare better in a real fundamental way. So our team sprung into action, led by Andrew, and we started building this system out. The deadline was just after the new year, and a little bit after that, we learned from the ONC that we won the competition. So what, 
Can you give me some context about who else entered? You know, how many teams were you up against? Sure. It's like my daughter's third grade basketball league where there's only three teams. So there was one team and everybody got a trophy. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we heard differing things. At one point, we heard that there were dozens of people entering. We also heard uh, that we were the only ones who actually got across the finish line in terms of having a working server. Those both sound impressive to me. So take your... You dozens know, of people take, gave up. Take your pick. Is what it sounds like. Well, and the idea was there or are... Missed deadlines or things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are servers out there, but they are in really obscure languages. We did an analysis of what already exists out there. We could have submitted a solution to the challenge by taking somebody else's fire server and making it better and adding security to it. We decided we would instead build our own because we had a vision for how we thought it should work. We had a vision for how we thought it should connect to other things and how it should be a library that you could connect other things into. And nobody else was really doing that. So in six weeks from scratch, we built one, we submitted to the contest and we won. Yeah, and one important thing to remember is because we've won this challenge from ONC, ONC now chooses asymmetric solution as the open source standard. We're going to make sure that it's as bulletproof as possible. And then whenever someone says, ONC, what should we use for a fire standard? They'll say, well, you should use asymmetric's open source standard. So it seems that fire is the agreed upon standard, but I've been burned by that before. I'm the guy who had an HD DVD player. <laughs> so is fire going to be the standard going forward or is that still up in the air? Is there room for a competitor to come in? Well, recently both Google and Apple signed on to the fire spec. Oh, okay. So well, we're done then here. you're yeah. done, right? We yeah. just go, I'll, I'll, I'll go home now. <laughs> so what's kind of interesting about it actually is that what Apple Health has been rolling out is the idea that you can connect your health records in hospitals all over the country to your phone and you can pull them. Apple has bought in wholeheartedly to making patient records available. Google's bought in and it seems like the play there is what Google did with transit and all of the cities around the world were like oh we want our data to be in google maps okay we'll implement the same spec and then google can do something useful with it and when we started working on this we did look at some of the recent government regulation and policy that's coming out one of them is hipaa that i think everybody's heard about the whole reason behind fire is going from this idea that your doctor owns your patient records or the hospital owns your patient records to the new kind of idea, which is the patient owns your own patient records. Right. It's a really important shift in how everyone thinks about this information. I think we've all had a story of someone we know who's had to fight to get their medical records, like yeah. released to them or released to another. The like last, how crazy yeah. is that? The last like, time I changed from one doctor to another, they printed out the pages, they faxed them to the new doctor, and then somebody by hand put it into the new system. There seems to be a concern among hospitals that they're not doing enough to protect individual patient records and be able to get consent from those patients to use those records in different ways. I've become convinced in the last few years of this paradox of data security I think a great example is passwords. Certain systems require these ultra-long passwords. You have to have a capital letter, a small letter, a symbol, a number. And so eventually it gets so complex that people just do keyboard walks. So now you've made it so tricky, you've actually made it less secure, right? Right. In the medical world, just from my personal experience, it's the same type of thing. There's always some risk, but yeah. at what point is, is an 
antiquated, hard copy. Yeah, well, I mean, talk about antiquated and, and hard copies. We've got a weekly meeting where we talk about healthcare and strategy. Very often we'll have guests come in to talk to us. One of the people that we talked to was a transplant nurse, someone who is working to help people get on the organ donor list to get their organs replaced. One of the things she told us was it's so hard for her to get electronic information that she'll very often drive to another hospital, mm -hmm. pick up a CD-ROM, uh, talk about you know an old standard, to just take it back to where she's going because there's just no other way to get that data right. into their systems. And when they don't get that data in, into those systems, people get bumped off the transplant li list and they die. You know, And so it's a really important problem to solve. That's crazy. It's mind-boggling that it's 2018 and we're still relying on transferring records through like hard copies and CD-ROMs. Seriously? CD-ROMs? I can't believe I'm saying CD-ROM on a podcast. <laughs> so we have these life or death situations. We have this amazing technology and yet somebody's like hand carrying a copy of these records somewhere. Yeah, the CD-ROM thing is a little bit better than it is on Game of Thrones where they put the message on the pigeon and send it. <laughs> But why is it so hard to get records from one doctor to another? Yeah, I think there are a lot of overlapping reasons why things still suck. Part of it is a technological problem where you've got systems that have been in place for many, many years, especially if you look at the VA, where they've had electronic medical record systems for decades, actually. But they put those things in place, and then it's very hard to upgrade those things over right. time. Think about where technology was three decades ago when a lot of this stuff was put in place. When you're talking about a lot of old systems and you don't have a technology-forward mindset the way that a lot of other industries have, interoperability is a really hard problem. You have a lot of big systems. They've been around for a long time. They have a lot of data, and really nobody has an incentive to share it, and that's the crux of part of this problem is that hospitals feel like, well, our patients are our patients. If we make it easy for them to go to the hospital down the street, they'll just go there. So one of the big pushes that came down as part of the HIPAA laws and associated with the Affordable Care Act was government mandates to force some of this interoperability to occur. Before FIRE and before Obamacare, hospitals and healthcare providers were not incentivized to share this information. They just weren't. The new law said, if you want to be reimbursed by Medicare at the highest rates, mm -hmm. you need to make your data available. And so that's what they did. FIRE enabled that to happen. So FIRE also makes it possible to get to information that's not in a patient's electronic medical record, which is called an EMR for short. So the EMR contains things like what medication a patient's on, what their family history is, when they visit a doctor, what their diagnostics are. But the FIRE spec also has things in place for doctor schedules, it has billing information, it has insurance codes, which are things that are normally in lots of different systems, not just inside of an EMR. And so the cool thing about the solution that we built is it allows for all the systems to be tied together behind a single interface. Once you're able to connect to it, you can get to any of that healthcare data that a hospital has, not just what's in, in the EMR, and it's all secure and it's all locked down with the permission of the patient. So, for example, to go back to my dreaded physical that I'm putting off, instead of having to do what I'm going to have to do here really soon, I could go on my phone, plug in the place I want to go, and not just transfer my records, but see the doctors and maybe put in, here's what I'm going to talk about, right? I've 
I have an ache here that I want to discuss. I think my rotator cuff's torn. Maybe then I could see what doctors specialize in that and when they're available and how much my copay would be. That kind of stuff could all be in an app, right? Yeah. If you're combining that type of data. Right. Is that maybe it, a well, good real-world example? Yeah, and the, the important thing to, to remember is Fire is not going to solve all those problems. But what it does do is it allows people, third parties like us, people who are not healthcare providers, uh, to build those apps right. and then have a first-class connection to that data. Right. The whole thing that I think we're trying to solve is to be able to make healthcare better for patients. And that's a really broad goal. But one of the things that we figured we could have the most impact on the fastest was making systems talk to each other in a secure way that respects their privacy. I just keep comparing it to the financial industry. There's lots of reasons for me not to use PayPal or a bank app on my phone. But again, risk rewards. I'm looking forward to being able to schedule my physical on a cool app on my iPhone and find out what doctors are right for me and get my medical information to them. And it sounds like that's kind of where we're going with this. Hopefully in future years, we'll be able to say that the, the health care that you're getting is touched by asymmetric in some way. Thanks again, Andrew, Brian. That was really informative. Excellent. I'm really excited about the work you guys are doing. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Asymmetric Healthcare Podcast. To find out more about what we're doing in healthcare, visit asymmetric.com slash healthcare.